0: This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Tuesday. It's good to be back on the air. We have a lot to talk about today. And uh, the the title of today's message was, or is, Will June Bring More Gloom? Uh, We saw immediately at the end of May, we saw into the early beginning days of June that a tremendous amount of evil uh, was spawned throughout the United States. A lot of bad stuff is happening, but folks, we're witnessing the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what is about to happen in this country, particularly against Christian believers and anybody that is, uh is, I'll tell you what, anybody that is really not walking close to the heart of Jesus Christ is going to be very, very vulnerable, and those who are are going to be tested to the depths of their heart as to their faithful endurance as a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe that we have the true word of God. I believe the gospel is the greatest message ever presented in the history of the world, that there is no greater message than the message of the gospel, the good news concerning Jesus Christ. I mean, we're talking about something that transcends the glory of Moses and Abraham and uh, the Red Sea and the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the wilderness and King David and Solomon and the judges and all the things that have happened before us, all of the miraculous movings of God. And yet we in the New Testament and the New Covenant have been given something so much greater, something that so far extends beyond transcends all prior thought philosophy belief, concepts faith I mean we have been given the best of the best Jesus Christ himself that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life and what does it mean to believe in him I mean the Bible says that the devils believe and they tremble but what does it mean for you and I to believe in Jesus Well, it means to adhere to, It means to be fully persuaded that his message is the real message. And therefore, we ought to take more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Because the good news of the gospel is so good, because it opens us up. It opens a door, and Jesus is the door. And it brings us into what we know as the abundant life an inward intrinsic quality of life that regardless the color of your skin, male, female, what side of the tracks you grew up on, the intrinsic value of knowing God through Jesus Christ, the abundant life. I mean, it's just so good. I mean, there's nothing that can compare. It's what socialists are looking for, communists are looking for, capitalists are looking for. Everybody in the world is looking for some system to provide happiness and joy and peace and you know equality well it's only found in jesus the greatest manifesto ever written in the history of the world the number one most outrageous most presented is the bible the new testament particularly it is a manifesto of the kingdom of god it is the greatest manifesto ever written and it's sad that in our days we're confronted by other streams or manifestos that are actually manifesting in our society today. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what we're being confronted by. And if we don't talk about it, then we're not going to be prepared to fight it. As a very dear friend and I agree deeply, the entire book of Revelation was written so that we, upon whom the ends of the ends of the ages have come, we would be ready to handle what is coming. And without any foreknowledge, without any forethought, without knowing what's coming, you can't prepare for it. But if we know what's coming, then we can prepare spiritually, solically, physically. And so we're going to talk about it today. I'm going to hit you right up front here with something I've shared probably two or three times since we've been back from our journey, and it's known as the homosexual manifesto. And first of all, you know, we ask ourselves, well, what is a manifesto? So what I did as a really good student, I got the definition of a manifesto. The manifesto is a published declaration of the intentions, motives, or views of the issuer, be it an individual, group, political party, or government. All right, so that is what... A manifesto is, let me say it one more time, it is a published declaration of the intentions, motives, or views. So having said that, let's look at the homosexual manifesto. You say, well, the homosexuals have a manifesto? You bet they do. Now, this manifesto has been enshrined in Congress And it began in 1987 here. So as to Congress in 1987 and implemented by the entropic U.S. Supreme Court in 2015. So what was the uh, outspoken purpose or the declared purpose of the homosexual manifesto? And I want you to hear it because you're in the month of June. It is the month of shame. The homosexuals call it the month of pride. We're not bigoted homosexuals can be born again, homosexuals can be forgiven, lesbians can be forgiven, lesbians can be born again, transgender people can be born again and forgiven, I think. I don't know how far that goes, but I'm pretty sure if there was repentance in the heart, it would probably be there, but I think you cross lines. My point is, is that we're not being anything other than God, just telling the truth. And exposing what is in the darkness. Okay, so if you're a, a homosexual, if you're a lesbian, if you're transgender, if you're a pedophile, if you are a uh, a pornographic, you know, whatever sexually uh, minded person you may be today, remember there is forgiveness and there is mercy and there is blood that has been shed for the forgiveness of your sin if you will acknowledge it to be so. But here's a reality. Now go back to 1987. This was the manifesto of the homosexual agenda. It was enshrined in Congress. And let's take a look at what it really means. So this is the declaration of the homosexual agenda. It was written, by the way, by Michael Swift. And it was uh, a, a, a piece of literature called the Gay Revolutionary. Now, you're in the month of June. It is the month of shame. It is not the month of pride. It is the month of shame for the nations of the earth that would tremble at the word of God, that would weep and sigh and cry for the abominations committed in the land. This is not a good thing, okay? You can't steal God's month. You can't steal God's rainbow. You cannot steal God's intention for marriage, which is to produce a family. And yet the homosexual community has done exactly that. They've hijacked the month of June. They've hijacked the rainbow. They've hijacked the meaning of marriage. They've hijacked the... The purpose of marriage, which is to produce family and offspring. Now watch what happened. Now 1987, here's the, the stated goals, the stated intended purpose. Here's what we're going to do. Here's our manifesto. And I begin. And this is a quote. This is what they wrote. This is what Congress enshrined. We shall sodomize your son emblems of your feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies. We shall seduce them in your schools, in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathrooms, In your army bunkhouses, in your truck stops, in your all-male clubs, in your houses of Congress, wherever men are with men together, your sons shall become our minions and do our bidding. They will be recast in our image. They will come to crave and adore us. Women, you cry for freedom. You say you are no longer satisfied with men. They make you unhappy. We, connoisseurs of the masculine face, the masculine physique, shall take your men from you then. We will amuse them. We will instruct them. We will embrace them when they weep. Women, you say you wish to live with each other instead of with men? Then go and be with each other. We shall give your men pleasures they have never known because we are foremost men too. And only one man knows how to truly please another man. Only one man can understand the depth and feeling, the mind and body of another man. All laws banning homosexuality or homosexual activity will be revoked. Instead, legislation shall be passed which engenders love between men. All homosexuals must stand together. As brothers, we must be united artistically, philosophically, socially, politically, and financially. We will triumph only when we present a common face to the vicious heterosexual enemy. If you dare to cry faggot, fairy, queer at us, we will stab you in your cowardly hearts and defile your dead puny bodies We shall write poems of the love between men. We shall stage plays in which man openly caresses man. We shall make films about the love between heroic men, which will replace the cheap, superficial, sentimental, insipid, juvenile, heterosexual infatuations presently dominating your cinema screens. We shall sculpt statues of beautiful young men, of bold athletes, which will be placed in your parks, your squares, your plazas. The museums of the world will be filled only with paintings of graceful, naked lads. Our writers and artists will make love between men fashionable and de rigueur. And we will succeed because we are adept at setting styles. We will eliminate heterosexual liaisons through usage of the redeeming the Rainbow 203 devices of wit and ridicule, devices which we are skilled in employing. We will unmask the most, or we will unmask the powerful homosexuals who masquerade as heterosexuals. You will be shocked and frightened when you find that your presidents and their sons, your industrialists, your senators, your mayors, your generals, Your athletes, your film stars, your television personalities, your civic leaders, your priests are not the safe, familiar, burgoyed, heterosexual figures you assume them to be. We are everywhere. We have infiltrated your ranks. Be careful when you speak of homosexuals because we are always among you. We may be sitting across the desk from you. We may be sleeping in the same bed with you. There will be no compromises. We are not middle class weaklings, highly intelligent. We are the natural aristocrats of the human race and steely minded aristocrats never settle for less. Those who oppose us will be exiled. We shall raise vast private armies as Mishima did to defeat you. We shall conquer the world because warriors inspired by and banded together by homosexual love and honor are invincible as were the ancient Greek soldiers. The family unit spawning ground of lies, betrayals, mediocrity, hypocrisy, and violence will be abolished. The family unit, which only dampens imagination and curbs free will, must be eliminated. Perfect boys will be conceived and grown in the genetic laboratory. They will be bonded together in communal setting under the control and instruction of homosexual savants. All churches who condemn us will be closed. Our only gods are handsome young men. We adhere to a cult of beauty, moral and aesthetic. All that is ugly and vulgar and banal will be annihilated. Since we are alienated from middle class heterosexual conventions, we are free to live our lives according to the dictates of the pure imagination. For us, too much is not enough. The the exquisite society to emerge will be governed by an elite comprised of gay poets. One of the major requirements for a position of power in the new society of homoeroticism will be indulgence in the Greek passion. Any man contaminated with heterosexual lust will be automatically barred from a position of all males who insist on remaining stupidly heterosexual will be tried in homosexual courts of justice and will become invisible men. We shall rewrite history, history filled and debased with your heterosexual lies and distortions. We shall portray the homosexuality of the great leaders and thinkers who have shaped the world. We will demonstrate that homosexuality and intelligence and imagination are inextricably linked and that homosexuality is a requirement for true nobility, true beauty in man. We shall be victorious because we are fueled with the ferocious bitterness of the oppressed who have been forced to play seemingly bit parts in your dumb heterosexual shows throughout the ages. We too are capable of firing guns and manning the barricades of the ultimate revolution. Tremble here too, swine. When we appear before you without our masks, that you have never read this gay cult constitution before is pure evil from newsroom and journalists everywhere. The Homosexual Manifesto, disguised as help, yet to be fulfilled for minor attracted persons, no doubt the blanking U.S. Supreme Court will soon reread the Homosexual Manifesto and follow its directions once again. Wow. Wow. What is that? If you go back to 1987 when this manifesto was enshrined in Congress as a stated goal and purpose and you look at the world today, they did it. They did it. The homosexual manifesto is a militant, hate-filled, radical agenda, and because of the clever cunning of putting homosexual people on the television screen in the form of comedy, it has been a jihad, a stealth jihad, if you will, into the American mind, and it has infiltrated, as was said it would do, every sector of society. And we are now living in this, and it's not over yet, because they, that militant, satanic hate-filled mindset is demonically inspired and will not rest until the whole world is under the influence of its agenda. You may cringe at that. You may rebuke that. You may say all manner of things against that. But that's what Christians and people in a moral society have been doing since 1987. But all the cringing in the world, all the rebuking in the world, all the resistance to whatever degree it was, didn't do anything to stop the agenda. It didn't do anything to slow down the manifesto. And the manifesto is still at work, and it's multiplying and exceeding in power in these last days. It is a tremendous force of evil to undermine society, to rip to shreds the last vestiges of our unity as a nation or a people or a humanity for the dehumanization is underway because the demonization of those that have resisted has been underway for a very long time. But this is not the only manifesto that is confronting the United States of America. There is another manifesto that we've all heard about and we've talked about to some degree, and that, of course, is the communist Manifesto. So when we talk about a Communist Manifesto, I want to give you just a little information just in case you haven't familiarized yourself with this. The Communist Manifesto, originally the Manifesto of the Communist Party, is a 1848 pamphlet. So in 1848, this manifesto was penned in a pamphlet by German philosophers Karl Marx, and Frederick Engels. Commissioned by the Communist League and originally published in London just as the revolutions of 1848 began to erupt, the Manifesto was later recognized as one of the world's most influential political documents. It presents an analytical approach to the class struggle, historical and then present, and the conflicts of capitalism and and the capitalist mode of production rather than a prediction of communism's potential future forms. Wow, so the Communist Manifesto summarizes Marx and Engels theories concerning the nature of society and politics, namely, that in their own words, the history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles. It also briefly features their ideas for how the capitalist society of the time would eventually be replaced by socialism. In the last paragraph of the manifesto, the authors call for a forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions, which served as a call for communist revolutions around the world. Now, another one of these articles about that is dealing with the Communist Manifesto and how it related to the homosexual agenda. And here's what it says. The following sections of our new draft program set forth our new basic political position on the question of homosexuality. So this was uh, written around 2001, and it's what the Communist Party That's an operation in America that is touting a socialistic agenda. And you know, and I know the Elizabeth Warrens and the Bernie Sanders and all the people in government today that are contrary to Christ, contrary to a society that is based on morality and values and principles, but are the most wicked, hypocritical people you've ever met in your life. Here's what they said their views as a communist party would be towards homosexuality. And I quote, As for intimate relations, socialist society will promote values of and create the conditions for personal, family, and sexual relations based on mutual love, respect, and equality. The revolutionary proletariat is staunchly opposed to the attacks on homosexuality by reactionary forces such as religious fundamentalists and to all physical assaults on or discrimination against and government repression of homosexuals, which is to, which is widespread, which is so widespread and vicious in the U S today in the new society, discrimination against homosexuals will be outlawed and struggled against in every sphere of society, including personal and family relationships. Now, Right up front, before going any further, it's obvious that the Bible is then to be outlawed because the Bible is one of the harshest documents in the world, the original and the greatest manifesto from God himself, from heaven itself, contrary to the homosexual agenda because of what it does to a person's soul. I mean, it's such an abominable act that God called it an abomination, and God said that those who participate in it are useless. They are reprobate in their soul and in their mind, and that they are worthy of the punishment that happens to their soul. It is such an abomination. So in order for uh, direction here to be fulfilled, you must outlaw the Bible, and you must outlaw the people that preach the Bible. You must go to war against Christ. I'm trying to show you that the homosexual manifesto The Communist Manifesto, they are working together to form a new society to silence the church, put out the light, trample upon the unsalty saltiness of the Christian community to cause them to be capitulative, tolerant, and accepting of every evil and wicked thing. And whether you like it or not, it is happening en masse all over the world. The silent church today is okay in their little buildings to to promote their little programs, but they have not stood against the evils in our society. And this is why we are drowning in perdition as a humanity. And now the time is coming that anybody that would speak out against these things would become the enemy of the new world order and the enemy of the state of things. And you heard in the homosexual manifesto, how they think that heterosexuals are the most vicious enemy to the homosexual agenda. Wow. Let me go a little bit further with this. Sexual and intimate relations between men and women in Burgoyne society are largely reflective and dominated by the ideology of male supremacy and male right. They exist within and are influenced by the overall framework of social relations in which the oppression of women is an integral and fundamental part. All this is something that the proletariat will be mobilizing the masses to radically transform in the process of uprooting the oppression of women and all oppression and exploitation. In the realm of intimate relations, socialist society will encourage people to strive for standards that are consistent with and contribute to uprooting the oppression of women. Under socialism, people will not be stigmatized because they are homosexuals or because of their sexual orientation. Discrimination will not be tolerated, and the repression and violence against homosexuals that has been so prevalent in capitalist society, will be firmly opposed and dealt with. At the same time, it is important to grasp that same-sex relations do not escape and do not exist outside of the prevailing family and sexual relations and the corresponding ideology of male supremacy that opposes or oppresses women in their society. In many ways, the outlook that characterizes male gay culture in bourgeois society is not a departure from, and in fact, there are elements in which it is a concentration of male right. Lesbianism is in many ways a response to the oppression of women in class society, but in and of itself, it is not a fundamental solution to this oppression. The outlook that one partner as an intimate relationship must be devalued, dominated, abused, or owned is a reflection of the oppression of women in society and forms of male right in both heterosexual and homosexual relationships will be targets of criticism and transformation. Now this was from the appendix, the proletarian revolution, the emancipation of women page 106. And there's a lot more to be said about this. There is another, manifesto. It's not just the communist manifesto. It's not just the homosexual manifesto that are absolutely anti-Christ in their agenda. But there is another. And by the way, there are hundreds of manifestos that people can look at. And again, the, the most profound manifesto in the history of the world is the Bible. It's known. It's, it's a fact. It's the greatest selling book in the history of the world. This is our manifesto, right? This is the manifesto of Christ. But these other manifestos are prevailing powers in our society as we come to the end of the end of the end of the ages. And the new world order of the one world government and the greatest tribulation about to hit the face of the earth is coming at us at rapid accelerated speeds. We're witnessing, you can't deny it, that these agendas, these manifestos are prevailing in our society today. There's another one. It's called the Islamic Manifesto. The Islamic Manifesto is written in the Quran. It could be found in the Hadiths. And if you really study the Quran and you follow the Hadiths, as you study it out, their entire manifesto is to kill every Christian and Jew off the face of the earth. It is to dominate the world and to bring Allah to the prevailing power all over the world, to establish Sharia law all over the world, to await their Mahdi or the 12th Imam to come and to unite the Islamic world and to dominate the earth. Now, these manifestos, these different streams are polarized. They're thousands of miles apart in their ideological thought, in their concepts, their ideas, their agendas, and yet They all have a common enemy. The enemy of communism is the Christian church. The enemy of homosexuality is the Christian church. The enemy of Islam is the Christian church. Why? Because Islam says Allah has no son. They are an antichrist force. And the gospel says God's only begotten son is Jesus Christ. So you and I are living at a time as Christians, okay? And all these pressures that began to come against the Christian church long ago are gaining speed and power and influence right now, which means that the greatest persecution against Christian believers, good moral, spirit-filled, born-again, loving Christians who condemn what is obviously going to send people to hell, who have enough love to tell the truth about these evil forces of darkness. Satan is behind every one of them. And Satan uses Muslims and homosexuals and communists to further his own will, but then destroys their soul in eternal fire. Now, What does this mean? It means that you and I, Christians around the world, as the pressure is getting stronger, the influence is growing more and more, are the target of all these different manifestations, manifestos, agendas, stated purposes of the enemy of our soul. And we're living in the center of it. And we are the target. And God forewarned Christians everywhere, God forewarned Christians everywhere, that a day would come upon this earth, and from generation to generation, men and women of God have had the responsibility to study the scriptures to see whether or not they were that generation. And after 50, 40-year generations, or 2,000 years, here we are. And we are witnessing in our generation more Bible prophecy being fulfilled and unveiled before our eyes and seeing the extreme pressures of the dark powers that are now have been released to bring as much persecution and destruction against everybody and anybody that resists the narrative of the darkness and ultimately the target of all streams is the Christian church. Many in the church have already capitulated. Many have already become tolerant. Many have already begun to tout the propaganda and the narrative of these evil streams saying they're all okay. Whether it's abortion, homosexuality, whatever it is, the tolerance has grown in the Christian church, which means large portions of what we call Christianity have already been hijacked. They've already fallen away. They have already turned away from Christ. Because they didn't want the pressure or the resistance long ago, which was light in comparison to what's coming, to have any part of putting an end to their pretended, you know, gospel theme or church environment. They were willing to say nothing to a sin-sick world so they could gather people in, tell them nice fairy tales, serve them cotton candy, sweet sermons to make them feel good that had no spiritual depth. No spiritual power, just a reality. Just a reality. Now, with large portions of the Christian church having bowed their knee to the image of Baal, there are fewer Christians in the world that are willing to stand up in the face of this adversity. And yet the Bible teaches us that it is the responsibility of every true believer to stand as salt and light in the midst of darkness and decay. The futility, the vanity of the evil is so obvious, and yet people have taken it serious. People have taken the powers of darkness to be a serious movement. When in reality, Jesus Christ defeated the powers of darkness 2,000 years ago, The devil has been stripped of all authority and power. He has no real genuine power but to lie and to deceive. And so he has lied to people of communism, of Islam, of homosexual backgrounds, and has made them his minions to carry out his lies and to demonstrate some force and power, whether it be military, atomic, nuclear, or just violence and hatred. It's his spirit operating in human beings that have fallen prey to him, and it appears as though he is so powerful, but it's so futile, so vain, so empty, so non-serious, that it's hilarious that people have actually fallen for it and believed it, and it has become a reality or a manifestation of that deception, that delusion, that this power is real, but in reality... It was defeated 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ defeated the powers of darkness. He disarmed all of his enemies. They were defeated and disarmed, which means they have no feet, they have no arms. They slither on their belly like a serpent, just like God said they would. So the slithering serpent has become a great red dragon. Interesting. Interesting. Huge swaths of believing churches have fallen away. They are only Christian in name. They are not standing. They are capitulating. They are tolerant. They are silent on the issue because they do not want the pressure. That means that the fewer that are standing up or have been standing up and have been experiencing the opposition of the enemy, the forfeiture of their 501c3s, the infiltration of their churches, the threat against their prosperity gospel of financial wealth or imprisonment The fear and the pressure has quieted them down. At the most critical time in the history of the church age, when all Christians everywhere should be shouting from every housetop, the loudest that could possibly be, the church is silent on communism, silent on homosexuality, silent on Islam. They have fallen for the trick. If you say anything, you're a bigot. If you say anything, you're a homophobe, you're an Islamophobe, you're a comuphobe, or any other phobe. You're full of fears and bigotry. Your, your narrow-minded views are not welcome in our society. So, in other words, they have built the new society. It's not something that will come. It has been under construction for a very long time. Now, God is in control. That's my hope. That's your hope, but that doesn't mean we negate our responsibilities to be the light bearers of truth in a society of darkness. We should not allow our saltiness to become unsalty, because then it's good for nothing to be trampled underfoot of men. We are still responsible as believers to be the light of this world. Jesus said to the believers of his day, you are the light of the world. Don't put a bushel over your light. Jesus said that the light was supposed to expose the darkness, that we were to have nothing to do with the darkness, but rather reprove it in its unfruitful deeds. The church is bailed out, and even fewer are going to remain in these last days. Does God have a message to the church today in this exact moment in light of everything we've spoken about? Does God really have something to say to you and me today? The answer to that question is absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt. It's such a profound message. It's so critical that it demands the attention, the full attention of the mind. And only hungry, thirsty, people who desire to understand and know how to contend in these final moments of time upon this earth without losing your soul. Can this message ever be brought to? I intend on sharing it tonight in our Bible study. I intend on bringing forth a message that our congregation is familiar with. But there's a profundity, there's a profoundness Of this message today and I would like to spend a few minutes talking about it I would like to spend a few minutes sharing a message that was written to the entirety of every singular believer throughout all the generations of the Christian age or the age of the church or what we call the church age there is a message in Scripture that warns believers Believers, not the world. It warns believers if they do not overcome what will happen to them. It encourages the believers that if they do overcome, what will be the reward of their victory? But it really terrifying to understand a clear, simple, pure message to all believers what we think are the most insignificant to the most that we think are the most profound. There's a message to all of us and there's pressure coming. And we live in the day where the greatest tribulation philipsis is the word for tribulation. The greatest pressure to ever hit the face of the earth is coming. It's here. It's been here but the strength, the substance, the weight of the pressure that is coming. If one is not pressure-proof through abiding through the fiery trials of their daily walk with God so that their faith will be like gold that cannot be destroyed, right? If you're not pressure-proof, you will be crushed under the pressure that is coming in our generation. Right now, right here, June, July, August, September, October, November, these are the most critical months. So what is the message? What is God saying to his people? What is God saying to you? Maybe you're listening today and you bailed out. You fell away. You capitulated. You tolerated. You didn't say anything to your brother, your sister, your cousin, your uncle, your aunt. You just wanted to keep the peace in your family. So you never told them the truth about their homosexuality, their lesbianism, their blasphemy, their worldliness. You decided I want their affections more than telling them the truth about their eternal soul. If you're listening right now and you're able to hear this message, you need to repent. You need to speak the truth in love. You need to tell people that you say you love that if they don't repent from what they're doing, there's a serious consequence. But more than that, The unredeemed world going to hell, everybody gets. But what the people that call themselves Christians have forgotten, that the biggest threat is against us. The biggest threat is not against the world. We get it, the unredeemed world. They're going straight to hell and into the lake of fire. We get it if they don't repent. But it's the deception and the delusion that is being presented in the church itself. It is so diluted that the majority of Christians are waiting to disappear in a pre-tribulational rapture to escape the evil that's coming. And yet they are so unprepared. Why would God, why would God suddenly evacuate the whole church because the bad guy's coming when the church was never the salt and light, never stood up to the test? never stood up to the confront the confrontation they would not allow for the preaching of the true manifesto from heaven the gospel every manifesto has to have a voice to back it up and the church is the voice of the manifesto of heaven the bible and god's going to evacuate millions of people who shut their mouths i don't think so i think this is the greatest deception the greatest hoax ever presented to the mind of man, the pre-tribulational rapture. It is the greatest lie and it's connected to another great lie called once saved, always saved. So what's the message? Where do we find it? Where does it come from? What pure message from scripture do we have that warns Christians, not based upon their emotions, their feelings? I love Jesus. God loves me. I'm accepted. Well, wait a second. There's truth in that, but there's greater truth, and I want to share it with you. And I just want to read. I won't read all of it. I just want to read the rewards and the warnings all believers throughout the church age. It began 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation. It began with seven letters to seven churches. The seven letters to the seven churches, which we have our dear sister uh, is, is preaching on and teaching and sharing a lot of in-depth information. I'm just going to outline a few things here now. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there are Seven letters to seven churches. The seven churches are the root of the entire tree called Christianity or believers. The message to the seven churches are to be read and understood by all believers throughout all church ages and generations, all the way up to where we are right now. And what is that message? And I'm just going to come to the end of each message. I'm going to leave the the beginning And I'm going to share what the Bible says to Christians. There's not one thing I'm about to share with you that has anything to do with the unsaved world, pagans, society. Not one thing is going to be said about them. This is directed at the Christian. Every Christian, not just 2,000 years ago in Asia Minor, in the seven letters to the seven churches, this is the warning to all of us. And again, if you're not hungry, if you're not interested, if you're not thirsty, if you're afraid, this message will have no meaning or value to you. If you are serious about your walk with God and you know what time it is right now, you need to hear this. And I'm going to begin In Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to just pick it up in verse, I'm going to begin in verse 5. Okay, so verse 5 of Revelation chapter 2 begins, first a warning, okay? Here's the warning of Christians failing to do what God says to do. Revelation 2.5, remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly and will remove your candlestick out of his place, except you repent. So here... Believers are confronted by the spirit of Jesus Christ himself and are called to repent. You can go back and read what they had to repent of and put it into your everyday life. But he says to the Christians, I warn you that if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your candlestick. That means your light is going out. That means whatever salvation you once had or thought you had is gone. You once wore a candlestick. You once had it, but you lost it. You didn't repent, so I'm going to remove it. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Well, as my dear friend once said, that if we are going to allow language to have any meaning whatsoever, it becomes very obvious to him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, that if you don't overcome, you will not have right to eat of the tree of life. Now, most Christians have this philosophy in their mind that, They're under grace, they're going to heaven, God is love, everything is good. But if the word of God is true in its entirety, if we don't overcome, at least in the church of Ephesus, their issue, right, about love and lovelessness, if they don't overcome, they have no right to the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So God calls believers in every generation throughout the church age to be an overcomer in whatever it is that needs to be overcome. So again, the warning, if you don't repent of whatever sin you're being confronted by, your candlestick will be removed and you will not access the tree of life, which means you don't have eternal life. The only way to access the tree of life is to be an overcomer of the thing that God has called you to overcome. We go on just a little bit And we read in verse, let's go to verse 10 of Revelation chapter 2. This was the second church, the church of Smyrna. And it says in verse 10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. So he's warning the church that a time of suffering is coming, but he said, don't fear it. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Here's the admonition. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. If you're not faithful unto death, there will be no crown of life. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. Well, what happens if you don't overcome? If you don't overcome, you will be hurt of the second death. And what is the second death? You go back to Revelation chapter 20, the first resurrection, blessed and happy are they that have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. The second death is when we physically die and go into the grave. During the thousand years, we stay dead, or those who don't go in stay dead. And then after the thousand years, the dead are raised, they go to the judgment seat, and then a sentence of death is passed upon them, which is eternal. That's the second death. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. So if we don't overcome, we are not going to be resurrected in the first resurrection if we were to physically die. Think about that. That's what it says. And we will not have a crown of life because we will remain dead during the millennium in the grave. Afterwards, our souls being brought before God and an eternal sentence upon us of death cast into the lake of fire. Christians don't believe this today. They don't believe this is possible. And yet here, the very letters to the churches, we are told, if you don't overcome, you'll be be struck with the second death. You'll have no crown of life. You will have your candlestick removed. You will not have access to the tree of life. Well, the third church, the church of Pergamos, we're just going to go down a little bit. He says... Verse 16, Revelation 2.16, repent or else I will come unto you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Who's he going to fight against? The believers, the Christians, if they don't repent. Repent from what? Well, it gets into all kinds of false doctrine, doctrines of Uh, licentiousness, doctrines of fornication, doctrines of Baal, doctrines of Balaam, the once saved, always saved doctrines, eating things uh, committed to idols. I mean, you can go out and do the study, but the bottom line is Christians were living in that environment and they were told repent or else I'm coming quickly and I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Christ is going to fight against people that once believed in him? Yes. Yes. And then verse 17, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. So if you don't overcome no new name, no hidden manna, no white stone, no new name written therein, That's a reward for the overcomer. The one who does not overcome is going to be fought against by Jesus himself, the sword of his mouth. This isn't to the world. This is to believers. The next church is the Church of Thyatira. Again, a lot of bad stuff. And it says here, I mean, it's a heavy duty, heavy, heavy duty. And I'll just read it out of verse 26. I'm going to go all the way down to 26. And he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end. He who endures to the end shall be saved, right? So him that overcomes, keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nation's. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessel of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So if I don't overcome, I will have no power over the nations. I will not rule with a rod of iron. I will not break the nations in shivers. And I will not receive the morning star. If I don't overcome, and you read that list of what was going on in that church about idols, sacrifices, false doctrine, licentiousness, lightness. I mean, it's just so obvious that this was a church that was so lukewarm and compromised and, 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 and tolerant. And I mean, it just wasn't strong. And he says, if you don't overcome this lukewarm attitude, right? So if you don't overcome this, You have no power with me in my millennial reign. You have no authority with me. You don't get the the, the morning star. You don't get anything. Which means you will be broken with a rod of iron. You'll be ruled. And and so this is heavy duty. This isn't just make-believe concepts. Chapter 3, we begin with verse 5. This is one of the most profound passages anywhere. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. This is so obvious. He that overcomes shall be clothed in white raiment. If you don't overcome, you will not be clothed in white raiment, which is the righteous acts of the saints. He who overcomes, I will not erase, scratch out, eradicate his name out of the book of life. He that does not overcome will be etched out, scratched out, erased from the book of life. Why isn't that taught? Why isn't that preached? There are Christians everywhere that believe they're going to heaven. They will will convince everybody, including themselves, that they're going to heaven because they're some kind of special person. They are the unique ones. And yet they're not overcoming areas of their life. They're not walking in the truth, the integrity, the endurance, the faithfulness, the repentance necessary. And so what's happening? Their names are being blotted out of the book of life. They don't know it because it comes like a thief to do it. They don't know what hour the thief came. So now the time comes and they all say, Lord, Lord, open unto me. I did all these things. You know me. He says, I don't know you. Well, look in the book. My name's in there. No, look, your name's not in here. What a warning to the church. To you, to me, to believers everywhere, who are walking in a manner that would not be an overcoming walk, that would not repent from all things that God calls us to repent of. He goes on. In the next letter of the church, I'm going to get this is the Philadelphia Church, verse 12, says, Him that overcomes, Revelation 3.12, him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God? He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. So if you don't overcome, you're not going to be a pillar in the temple of God. You're not going to receive the name of God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The name is the Namos, and it means the character, the authority, the nature, okay, the DNA. This is for the overcomer. But he who does not overcome receives none of this. None of it. No new name. No new the name of the new city, the name of God, no pillar. Nothing. This reward is to the overcomers. Those who don't overcome, so far, we've already read it. Their names are blotted out of the book of life, which means there's no eternal life. They have no right to the paradise of God, the tree of life. means they don't have eternal life. There's no crown of life, which means they have no life. They stay dead to never live again. These are warnings to Christians. These are warnings to churches, individual and corporate. The next church, the Laodicean church, says this. Behold, or verse 20, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he will be with me. Listen to verse 21. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as also, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. You know, one of the churches talked about being lukewarm. I'll spew you out of my mouth, literally vomit you out of my mouth. Here in Re- Revelation 3.21, to him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne? If you don't overcome, we will not sit with him in his throne. We will not sit down with the Father in his throne. He says, repent. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And what was that? The Laodicean attitude of, again, the lukewarmness. In ver- if you go back to verse 16, so then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. These are simple, right in your face, instructions to the churches. To you and to me. Everything here is razor sharp. Yes or no. Black or white. Life or death. There is no compromise there is no lukewarmness there is no middle ground we either live the way that god has called us to live in this sin sick world untouched unspotted undefiled or we keep on getting defiled and spotted and corrupt never repenting and there is no salvation in that you see that's too radical of the thought for the modern day church who doesn't even want to read the book of revelation. And you know why they don't want to read the book of revelation? Because it exposes the hypocrisy. It exposes, I go to church and pastor so-and-so is there and I hear a really cool message and I'm so happy while I'm sinning like the rest of the world. With a false security, I'm going to heaven one day because I'm a good person. It's not what the Bible says. I mean, shouldn't it be in a time when pressure is ready to hit the church? And what is pressure going to do? It's going to to press every one of us as to who we are. Either we're going to capitulate, we're going to bend, we're going to bow, or we're going to be broken, or we're going to continue in a delusion believing a lie that we're saved when we're really not saved. People who are unwilling to hear this message, immediately start making excuses. They immediately start reasoning. Well, wait a second. Does that mean that... Listen, if this message is presented to you and you have no fear of God, all you're going to do is start asking questions. Well, you know, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. We're all this. We're all that. That's the language of the backslidden. That's the language of the lukewarm. That is the language of those who do not fear God. That is the language of the carnal mind, the soul. That's not the language of an overcomer. That's not the language of people that are repenting. Now, people don't really know how depraved they are. I agree with that. So it takes time for the light of the gospel to shine in the heart to expose what is obviously wrong in our lives. But then it's a a responsibility to quickly repent because we fear God, that if we don't repent, we don't have access to the tree of life. We don't get a crown of life. Our names are going to be blotted out of the book of life. We're going to be vomited out of the mouth of God. We're not going to have a new name, a new nature, or access into the new city. We're not going to be pillars. I mean, it's all there. Every single bit of it is there. How much pressure does it take for you or I to turn away from God? How much pressure does it take for us to... Capitulate. how much pressure is it going to take for you and I to compromise how much pressure is it going to take for you and I to take the mark so that we could buy or sell and live how much pressure is it going to take for us to deny Christ at the burning stake or at the stones in the hands of those that are ready to stone us or cut our heads off how much pressure is it going to take for compromise lukewarmness capitulation tolerance to accept it, to go with it, to be quiet in the face of it? How much pressure has been applied for you to shut your mouth at the dinner table around your family and friends because nobody wants to hear what you have to say? So you've accepted that. You go into that environment. You shut your mouth and say, well, I'll win them without a word spoken. No, you are the voice of the manifesto of heaven. Not too many people want to go down this path. Not too many Christians are ready to face what's coming down the pike. Not too many Christians are repenting of their carnality and flesh and human-natured activities. Not too many people are getting in there out of desperation to root out of them their lust and their pride and their jealousy and their false imaginations and their delusions. No, they're very content to be just who they are. They're very content to think that all is well, The devil's not bothering me. You know why he's not bothering you? Because you're not a threat to him. He's got you. He's got you with the lollygagging ideas. Oh, everything's okay. If you're not being confronted by the devil, if the world is not confronting you, if you're not confronted by your own flesh, something's wrong with you. And what's wrong is you've already been eradicated or you're, you're right there at the door, you're being weighed in the balance like everybody else. I mean, if you're not struggling against, if you're not like salmon going upstream, if you're not warring against the carnality of your own mind, the thoughts of your own flesh, the nature of your own fallen human being, if you're not tapping into the new creation, the divine nature, the mind of Christ, and laboring to get above that negative flow, if the world has conquered you already by shutting you up, or your society or your environment, you just don't talk about it anymore because it was too conflictuous, something's wrong with you. That hunky-dory may be a deception because you stop pressing in. The... Pseudo-peace you have may be coming from, I gave in, I stopped fighting, I don't want to battle anymore. So you have this peace, but it's not the peace that comes through the victory of overcoming. When we're confronted with a battle, we are got to fight through so that genuine peace will come. Because that whole battle was designed to purify our hearts, to make us gold. I, I'm not saying anything the Bible is not saying. And I'm trying to show you the streams of manifestos coming from the satanic that are going to get more and more intense. So in the last days, the multitude of many hearts are going to wax cold and many are going to fall away from the faith. And there's going to be a great eradication of names out of the book of life and people don't even know it. It is the great delusion. I will send a lie, God said. I will bring a great delusion that they'll believe a lie. The greatest lie is I'm saved and going to heaven. When in reality, there's no, there's no preacher of rapture. There's no one saved, always saved. You're not, your name's not even in the book of life anymore because you're lukewarm because you're compromised because you're not shouting out. You're not standing up. You're not being salt. You're not being light. You're being silent because you're being threatened by these Islamic manifestos, Homosexual manifestos, communist manifestos, the new world government's threatening you, so you're shutting up. It's not even that. Your own family threatens you, so you shut up. Christians don't like coming to your house because what you teach is this. We want to feel better about ourselves. We, we go where people will tickle our ears and make us feel good while we're sinning against God. People in churches everywhere are sinning against God, so they just go to a church until they can find one that will tell them what they're doing is okay. Just keep giving your tithe and your offering. I'm not yelling in the sense of trying to degrade anybody. Trying to expose the condition that we're living in. And we're so deep into it, it's almost like we can't see anymore. The obvious truth of Scripture is right here. Those seven letters were to seven churches. That confrontation that God has with the people were not the unredeemed or the unbelievers, but with the so-called redeemed and the so-called believers. I'm going to fight you with the sword of my mouth? You were once a Christian, but God says, I'm going to fight you? My God. What kind of Christianity has been preached From the pulpits today if this does not put the fear of God in every one of us to live an obedient life humble ourselves before God and yes I'm gonna use the word obedient obedient obey discipline disciple we're too proud to be instructed we're too proud to bend we're too proud to fear the living God I don't know what people are believing, but it's here and it's coming. And if you lose your soul, or I lose my soul, this whole life, this brief comma in the in the in the in light of eternity, this little life we have—if I have my car, I have my house, I got my wife, I got my kids, got my 401k, I got my—when you die, that will mean nothing, zero. And if you go to hell and you're in hell and death until after, the, uh, until after the millennium and you stay dead and then you awaken after the millennium and now the final sentence of a lake of fire where hell and death and those who don't have their names in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. What does this brief breath mean here on earth? You're a Christian. You've been called out of the world. You're the church. The word church means called out ones. And whatever life gives you as a called out one, whether it be having much or little, if you have much, it's only designed to help those that have little. It's to to help to support the gospel, to, to send the gospel. This message you're hearing right now, it needs to be heard all over the world. It's not my message. It's God's message. I'm a voice to it. It needs to be heard everywhere. But do you know that a large swath of churches don't want to hear this? We'll fight it, refute it, disbar it, ban it. We don't want that message. So then the only way this message can be heard is by keeping this messenger and this message on the air. Not to tickle people's ears, to tell the truth about Islam, about homosexuality, about communism. All those things, those forces are happening right now in this world. People aren't recognizing it. They're being blinded by it. They're being taken over by it. They're being put into fear by it. They're being overcome by it. And there are other forces yet to come, like locusts out of a pit, for goodness sake. All kinds of stuff is coming. This is a great responsibility. Pastors, hey, pastor, stop playing footsies with people. You're not there to be their friend and, oh, I love you so much and, oh, that's not your job. Your job as a pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, an apostle, a preacher, a minister, a believer, is to shout the word of God to everyone. If you're the kind of pastor that coddles people's weaknesses, you're a horrible pastor. You are a useless pastor. If you're a prophet that only prophesies peace and safety to everybody that wants to hear you so you can build a big crowd around you, talk about how wonderful thing is. That's what those prophets were saying years ago. America, God's good and America's okay. Look at America today. They lied. They failed and yet people today still want their words. It's not true. Pastors repent. Prophets repent. Teachers repent. Evangelists repent. Apostles repent. You want position? You want title? You want the praise of men? You are useless. You want to keep it safe so you don't get in trouble? You are useless. And any one of us would be. And the times are coming that we're all going to be pressed as to what we're going to be, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Is not Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, our heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, heaven, eternal life, worth being hated by the world? Isn't it worthy of our being unaccepted by this world? I don't want to appease demons, do you? I don't want to appease my flesh, do you? I don't want to appease the government that's contrary to Christ. Do you? Who are we living for? Ourselves? American government? Globalization? The devil? Mommy? Grandpa? Who are we living for? And if we're living for God, he says, do it with all your heart. God will not accept a 99.9% offering, a 99.9% surrender. He's the God of all or nothing. He's the God of all or nothing. And you, if you give God everything and you just keep finding that you've got problems and things you're working out, that's not an issue. If you're going after God with all your heart, I don't care how many problems show up in your life. You'll overcome every single one of them, and the Lord may return before you're finished, but he knows your heart. But don't give this, my heart follows the Lord while we live in this compromised, lukewarm, nauseous state of existence. I mean, some Christianity is just pure nauseism. Don't let that be who we are. Don't let it be who you are. The times are coming. You heard the manifesto of the homosexual community. We will stab you in your heart if you resist us. We will take you to the homosexual courts and try you if you speak out against us. If you say anything against Allah in the Islamic manifesto, we will cut your head off. So, the question is, what? So what? If I tell you your homosexuality is an abomination to God, and if you don't repent, you're going to be eternally damned, and I tell you out of love, that's your problem. My hands are clean. If I tell you that Allah has no saving power, and that Muhammad was a false prophet, so what? I'm telling you because there's no salvation in Muhammad. If I tell you that the communist agenda and socialism is absolutely, without Christ, an abomination of God, and that their prevailing power is demonic, so what? There's no salvation in communism. There's no salvation in capitalism. There's no salvation in socialism. There's no salvation in democracy. There's no salvation in a republic. The only salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. And if I don't tell you that, then what's the point? And if you don't tell the world around you that, then what are you doing? We say we want to make light of it. We want to giggle. (laughs) We want to giggle. We want to take this hard message okay let's take this hard message oh this is hard this isn't hard this was basic gospel but we want to take that hard message. let's kind of soften it up a little bit no balance it but don't soften it don't infuse into it lukewarmness leaven folks this is your soul Folks, this is my soul. Brothers, sisters, this is our time to prove whether or not we are the wheat or the chaff. Both are growing together, the wheat and the tare. Both are growing together. They look exactly alike. But when harvest time comes, the truth is revealed. What will you be? What will I be? in our conduct, in our character. You may not believe this. Everything I'm saying to you right now is to encourage you to be the Christian that God has called you to be. Put the cigarettes down for God's sake. Put the cigarettes away. Knock it off. Put your porno away. Get off the pornographic. And if you need deliverance, search out a deliverance ministry Put your alcohol away, for God's sake, the living God's sake, for our Father's sake. Take his name, not lightly. For God's sake, I'm telling you, put your alcohol away. Put your marijuana away. It's deluding you. It's making you stupid. Yeah, but it makes me feel good. It's making you stupid. It's burning your brain cells. Put it away so that you can get on with dealing with deeper issues of your heart that you've been masking through drugs, sex, alcohol. Put it away. If you have a pride issue, if you could if you walk around going, yeah, my problem is pride, you better put it away. Stop it. Stop saying your big problem is pride. Labor in humility. Break yourself. Root it out. Get prayer. Confess it. These days are late. You may never hear from me again. I may die today. And man, I want my hands clean. I want my heart clean. I want to walk in what I preach. I want to do what I say. And, I, and, you know, I want to make sure that when I go, God's not going to say to me like Ezekiel, their blood is on your hands because you didn't tell them. I, re- I don't want that. Mm-mm. No way. Come on, church. Come on, people. Know what time it is. Know what time it is. It is late in the hour. I'm just sensing in me right now God's love for you. I sense God's love so strongly for you. I'm I'm here to tell you if you are a homosexual, you need to repent now. If you're listening to this, You need to know right now you have no idea of the agony that awaits you in the afterlife. No homosexual friends will be there for you. There'll be no homosexual manifesto manifesto or agenda. It won't exist. I warn you, pedophile, lesbian, transgender, politician, yeah, all in the same boat, right? I warn you, if you're a Christian going to church and you're lukewarm, you've got to stop it. You don't know what it means that God's displeasure is so great that he will vomit you out of his mouth. You don't understand. You've got to see the love message in what I'm saying. If you're listening, either you have an opportunity, you'll do one of two things. You'll either become increasingly wicked and war against what you're hearing and do everything in your power to stop this word from going forth, or you will repent right now and ask God to forgive you and to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to turn you around and start moving in another direction and get your life right with God while you can, regardless of your condition. Turn with all your heart, not 99%. You cannot hold on to anything. You must surrender to God completely. And you think I'm talking to all the unredeemed people, right? I'm talking to you, Christian. I'm talking to me. God is talking to us. But I sense such love in my spirit. I sense such deep love for everyone, the communist, the homosexual, the Muslim, the Christian. It's like God pleading. And you know and I know, dear friends, the day is coming. The moment is coming. The door is going to shut. The day of salvation is drawing to an end. And a new day is dawning. It is a day of the Lord. And contained in the day of the Lord is the great tribulation, persecution, stuff that we've never dreamed that only a satanic mind would bring into manifestation. Yes, the satanic mind is going to bring into manifestation through artificial intelligence, through things that you, you and I just cannot fathom. The environment is going to change so dramatically. And yet people are saying, well, I just want everything to be normal. It's not normal. Jesus Christ, faith. Accept every trial as an opportunity to grow in faith and to become like pure gold in your nature. God wants your nature to become like his. So stop confessing the other. Stop speaking out of your other mind, the carnal mind. Stop emotionalizing everything. Walk in the spirit. It takes a long time, but listen, this man you're looking at right now, this has been a 40-year journey for me, and I have been so messed up. I have had so many issues in my life that I've had to work out. I'm a human being. Forty years the Lord has been working to condition and groom me. And the only thing that has kept it going in the right direction is repentance. Confession. Genuine desire to become. Oh, has that been challenged at times. Boy, were there early days of backsliding and falling away, tripped up and pressure, insanity. You have no idea who's talking to you right now. But you have to see the vessel as someone fashioned in the hands of God isn't coming from man-made, self-assertive, Bible school. And there's more. We've got more. We labor more. But isn't this the time to really stand up for Jesus who stood on the cross for us? Isn't it really time to say, you know what? I'm tired of being a lukewarm Christian. I'm tired of being quiet and silent and shut up. Give me a rooftop to go shout from. What what has happened to me? What has happened to me? That my biggest daily problem is about my own personal problems. What is that? I've got some friends that are on the chat line. I want to come up and say good morning to some people. We'll open the telephone lines. I got Brother Kevin Hagerson, Good morning. And I gave my good morning back to Kevin. By the way, um, Kevin and anybody else out there listening, um, Pastor Melissa Fletcher, Melissa and Chad, listen to me. The Feast of Tabernacles is going to take place October 9th. I need you right now. October 9th, and oh, by the way, I'm going to put something on the screen for anybody right now that's heard this message and is like, man, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. I need prayer, right? I need prayer. I need you to call the number I'm putting on your screen right now, okay? The number is 479 3774 If you're sitting there going, man, I need prayer. I need to talk and pray with somebody. Call the number. I'm going to leave it on the screen throughout the duration. The Feast of Tabernacles is going to take place October 9th through the 16th this year. We are four months away. We are asking God to make it the most bountiful harvest months for those that are cooperating in the Feast of the Lord that sowed their Shavuot Pentecost offering. We are blessing the next four months of harvest, not only of manifested things of, of, of outside, but internal, like what we're talking about today. <clears throat> Melissa, Pastor Melissa, if you're still listening in chat, we want you to come and be some of our guest speakers for the Feast of Tabernacles. You have depth, and we want you to come and want you to share the Word of God. Brian and Kathy, I don't even know if Brian and Kathy are out there right now. Let me go see uh if Brian and Kathy are listening today um let's get this up here um Brian and Kathy you are cordially invited you have four months to prepare for this to come and speak as guest ministers for the Feast of Tabernacles if we make it that far and the doors are still open to it I think in the wisdom of God we probably are going to have a gathering even though the world may be spinning out of absolute control. So I want Kathy and Brian to know right now, Feast of Tabernacles, October 9th through the 16th, guest speakers. Pastor Melissa, Chad, Fletcher, guest speakers. I want to say good morning to Cindy Messman, our dear sister Cindy. God bless you and your love and your hospitality gift to the body of Christ. I want to say good morning to Brother Paul Yek. Paul, good morning to you, sir god bless you overcoming man of god in the name of jesus may god fulfill every desire of your heart may be focused and clear and sober good morning to joyce and ken young god bless you joyce and ken dear friends special magnificent potential all around waiting to explode in the purposes of god's kingdom stay close to the heart of jesus David and Nicole. Good morning, David. God bless you. It's good to see your name up there. We need to talk. Give us a call. Jody Keene, all the way from Florida. The rapture will happen around Feast of Trumpets. Well, I'm not sure what we're talking about there, what rapture we're talking about. If it's after the tribulation, I totally agree. If it's before it, I totally disagree. We could talk about it, though. We're still friends. We love you and Richard. God bless you world of no, no, nobody terry good morning good morning to you uh terry says kevin word says shake the very dust of that place from your feet for it will be better for sodom than them i take that we are never to impose our will it's our job to share the gospel and he is referring to kevin saying i realize that this is to the churches is, is it not our responsibility to fight for christ and not the church um okay good conversation guys Uh, David says, uh, Nicole and I need prayer. Battles need to be won, for we are fighting major battles right now. We need heavenly help. Everybody, put your prayers right now to David and Nicole. David, call the number on the screen. 479-233-3774. Call the number. Shirley Woosley, good morning, church. Good morning, Shirley and Mike, all the way from Texas uh joyce thank you for teaching the truth you're most welcome it's our honor and privilege to do so everybody should be doing it uh preach the truth the true pastor speaks the uh, uncorrupted word as you are doing thank you for the compliment kevin honeycutt pastor kevin heard and on point enjoyed this fact-based truth filled clarion call pastor kevin cordially invited to come and speak at the feast of tabernacles Brian and Kathy, we are here. I hope you can come, Brian and Kathy. I want Pastor Melissa and Chad Fletcher to come and speak. I want Kathy and Brian Gray to come and speak. I want Pastor Kevin Honeycutt to come and speak as our guest speakers. We're also going to be inviting Pastor Daniel Seckham If he can get out of Australia and escape Australia, we want him to come. These will be our guest speakers this year, along with a few other surprises as we go. Praise the Lord. David Ellison, I know who you are. Got you. God bless you. All right. So four months, complete harvest in your life as a believer. Four months to prepare for the Feast of Tabernacles. Four months to get ready. And to work out this salvation with fear and trembling. God loves you, and God loves me, and God loves us. And he doesn't give this message. You know what he says in the, to the last church? He says this, and I want you to hear this, okay? This is God speaking to the church of Laodicea. He said, "As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent." This message is a message of God's love. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The telephone lines are open. If you have a question, a comment, something you would like to add to today's broadcast? You are welcome to call. 818-369-0326. You have to press one on your dial pad. While that's happening, I want to encourage you today. I need to do it if we're going to move move forward, which we are doing, I need you to consider supporting this ministry financially. I need you to consider that there's uh, on the screen nwmglobal.org. You can go to that website, nwmglobal.org, under the donations tab and give an offering to the ministry. You could also send a gift to the ministry. And uh, that gift is P.O. Box 100, the address And this is where one of my friends tells people if you want to send gold or silver or platinum or diamonds or rubies or gems or finances in the mail, you can send it to P.O. Box 100 Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. Whatever gift you would like to bless this ministry with, whatever you would like to share with the ministry, P.O. Box 100 Decatur, Arkansas. Another way you can give to this ministry is by going to omegaradio.org, omegaradio.org, and you go under the Donations tab. All right, that's a lot to say. There's another gentleman I want to join. I want him to join me on the air. It's my dear friend Chris. He has Lions Path Ministry. I'm going to be inviting him to join me on the air very soon. And I plan on Pastor Jeff Bass also joining me on the air once again very soon. I don't know where Pastor Jeff is, but soon enough we'll, we'll know. I want my brother Don Huddle to join me on the air once again. I want him to be a part of this ministry. I think that these are important messages. And having said that, what more can we say? What more can we say? Here's one thing we could say. We could say this. This is really clever. Thank you guys for putting this together. Thank you for giving. Thank you for considering that this work while it lasts, is worthy of your participation in sowing into it. Thank you for looking at this ministry and saying, it's not a cheap ministry. It's a ministry I want to sow big into. And big to the widow were her two mites. Big to others will take everything over the top. We can no longer shyly ask people to support this ministry. Four months of harvest. We'll keep doing the work that God puts in our heart to do, and we are asking you to to support what we're doing. We're asking you to participate and partner and get involved. We're asking you to do it in a really big way. Whatever that means between you and God. Thank you for giving because You love the Lord, and you believe that this ministry is acceptable of your giving. Now, we're getting ready today for our Tuesday night Bible study, our Wednesday night Bible study tomorrow, our Thursday night Bible study Thursday, our Saturday evening Bible study, our Sunday afternoon Bible study. And by the way, if you haven't known, in the midst of all that is happening, we're about to be part of a wonderful wedding between Blake and Callie. And we'll talk more about that as they give us permission. But there is a great wedding coming up. It's going to be on July 4th. And we have been invited to uh, participate in the officiating of that wedding at the church, New Wine Ministry. That's going to be July 4th on Monday. We're excited about that. We're excited about God being God in a godless society. We're excited that people are going to come together in a depth of wisdom and understanding that marriage has meaning and God is the author of marriage and the purpose of marriage still stands. This is good. This is good. Well, that's it for us today. I've said, I've said everything we could possibly say a couple of comments. Kevin Hauger, liked the pages subscribe to the stream. Okay, so like the pages. All right, got to put a like on the pages, the YouTube pages. Uh, we are broadcasting on Kevin Halger's YouTube page. We're broadcasting under Vincent Xavier YouTube page. We're broadcasting on Rev State Media, which means if you go to omegaradio.org, you can listen or watch the broadcast. And we're also broadcasting on Facebook under the Omega Radio page. So we're doing our part. Uh, We're going to get ready to have a great day. I want you to have a great day. Consider what you heard. Share it with as many people as you would like. More importantly, take heed to what you heard, and I'll do the same. God bless you until we meet again. I'll see you tomorrow.